Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Thus, he was called to the recognition of his own impotence in many directions and at the same time to a remembrance of the power of God. I want to ask you this question. Have you ever been in a situation where there was absolutely nothing that you could do in your own strength and your own power? Do you realize that God brought you to that place so that you would know His strength and His power? You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Job. It's easy to place family, friends, and earthly possessions on a pedestal in your life. As long as those things are good, it's easy to worship God and give Him thanks. But as Pastor J.D. asks in today's message, when you're confronted with the loss of those things, what will you lean on? Will you curse God or lean in and trust Him? Well, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Job, chapter 41, with today's study. This Leviathan is, some believe, a uh, sea dinosaur, as evidenced by the references to these fishing uh, spears. Verse 8, I like verse 8. Lay your hand on him, remember the battle, never do it again. You know what he's saying here? (laughs) If you try and take him on, you'll never do it again. It'll be the only time and the last time that you ever do it, because it won't happen again. Verse 9, indeed, any hope of overcoming him is false. Shall one not be overwhelmed at the sight of him? No one is so fierce that he would dare stir him up. Who then is able to stand against me? Did you catch that? In other words, I created this Leviathan that is the fear of anyone who would ever come anywhere near this this monster. Yet, I created him. He's like a, you know, like a little toy that I, I, I play with. And, uh, if you can stand against that, then I guess you could probably stand against me. But you can't stand against that. So you're not going to stand against me. No one, verse 10, oh, pardon me, uh, verse 11, who has preceded me? that I should pay him. Everything under heaven is mine. I will not conceal his limbs, his mighty power, or his graceful proportions. Who can remove his outer coat? Who can approach him with a double bridle? Who can open the doors of his face with his terrible teeth all around? His rows of scales are his pride. This is the, you see the picture that's being painted on the canvas of this <laughs> description? It, it, it's, a, it's a picture of this hideous beast with scales all over it and, and terrible teeth and sharp teeth. 
And he says, shut up tightly as with a seal. One is so near another that no air can come between them. They are joined one to another. They stick together, again, speaking of the scales. They stick together and cannot be parted. (laughs) This is interesting, verse 18. His sneezings flash forth light. Gesundheit. (laughs) And his eyes are like the eyelids of the morning. Out of his mouth go burning lights. Sparks of fire shoot out. Smoke goes out of his nostrils. Are you kidding me? (laughs) A flame. I'm getting ahead of myself. As from a boiling pot and burning rushes. His breath kindles coals, and a flame goes out of his mouth. Strength dwells in his neck, and sorrow dances before him. The folds of his flesh are joined together. They are firm on him and cannot be moved. His heart is as hard as stone, even as hard as the lower millstone. When he raises himself up, The mighty are afraid, you think? (laughs) Because of his crashings, they are beside themselves. I can imagine just the horrifying and terrifying sound of just any movement that this creature makes. Verse 26, though the sword reaches him, it cannot avail, nor does spear, dart, or javelin. How's that for a a picture? You, You try to shoot him with a spear or a dart or a javelin and those scales (laughs) just laugh (laughs) just bounce off of the thing verse 27 he regards iron as straw and bronze as rotten wood the arrow cannot make him flee sling stones become like stubble to him darts are regarded as straw he laughs at the threat of javelins His undersides are like sharp potsherds. He spreads pointed marks in the mire. He makes the deep boil like a pot. He makes the sea like a pot of ointment. He leaves a shining wake behind him. One would think the dead had white hair. On earth there is nothing like him, which is made without fear. He beholds everything Every high thing, and listen to this last part of verse 34, because it's going to be germane to our understanding of what this might possibly be. God says he is king over all the children of pride. Oh, could it be that he's talking about this fire-breathing dragon known as the devil himself? Huh, I wonder if this is a description of Satan himself, and it may very likely be, then it seems that God again is driving home a point, and thankfully Job is going to get it. And we're going to see that in the last chapter, in chapter 42, where Job in all fairness, acknowledges his own powerlessness in light of God's omnipotence, God being all-powerful. I really like what G. Campbell Morgan said. 
He says, Satan may be typified here by behemoth and Leviathan. Be that as it may, the question left with Job was this. Canest thou? Can you? Again, the implication being, I can. Can Keep in mind now, God's not angry, God's not being harsh, but God is making a point to Job. You question me, Job. I'm not going to answer your question, but I'm going to question you. And and the question is, Job, to you, can you? Because you're questioning me, and you're saying to me in questioning me, why and God can you? Yes, can you, Job? Can you do this? And so Morgan says that was the question that was left with Job. Can you? Thus he was called to the recognition of his own impotence in many directions and at the same time to a remembrance of the power of God. Have you ever been, I want to ask you this question. Have you ever been in a situation where there was absolutely nothing that you could do in your own strength and your own power? Do you realize that God brought you to that place so that you would know his strength and his power? Something very important to keep in mind here. Job hasn't been healed yet. Job hasn't been restored yet. He's still covered with boils as God is talking with him. He, he's still in that state that we left him in, sitting there on that rubbish heap, on a pile of ashes, in unspeakable pain and agony, and he's still in that state when God is speaking to him. Now, how powerless do you think he is? And that's a good place to be. He's not going to be there much longer. But sometimes God will deem fit to bring us to that place where we're at the end of ourselves, because when we're at the end of ourselves, it's the beginning of God. The end of ourselves is the beginning of God. I can't wait to get to the best part, (laughs) the last chapter, the best for last, chapter 42, verse 1. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do everything. Okay, now remember, the question was, can you? Job's answer? God didn't answer Job's questions, but Job is most certainly going to answer God's questions, right? And he does so here, and he says, I know that you can do everything, and that, listen to this, no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. God's ultimate purpose will always prevail. Verse 3, you asked, who is this who hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand. Things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Pardon me. Listen, please, and let me speak, you said. I will question you, and you shall answer me. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now, listen, my eyes see you. Wow. Did you hear what he just said? Listen, I thought I knew you, but now I've seen you. 
I, I have heard of you. I've known about you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, verse 6, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. You know, there's this verse in Romans 2.4. It is one of the most powerful verses, I believe, in all of the Bible. And it says this. It is the kindness of God that leads a man to repentance. It's not the anger of God or the justice of God. It is the kindness of God that leads a man to repentance. And this is why I believe it is that uh, God was and is being so loving towards Job, so kind and gracious and even merciful to Job. And this is what has brought Job to this place. And he says, I repent in dust and ashes. And so it was, verse 7, after the Lord had spoken these words to Job, that the Lord said to Eliphaz the Temanite. Remember that guy? <laughs> okay, it is. you'll forgive me. There's going to be some sanctified. I'll let you fill in the blank. I've been waiting for this. Just bear with me. I just kind of want to savor this just a little bit. I mean, we've been through a lot with this this guy, right? I mean, there's been a couple of times where my sanctification almost fled from me. And not you, because you're more spiritual than I am. But man, I'm reading some of the things he's saying. I'm just thinking, man, if I if I was Job... Don't look at me like that, because you were probably thinking the same thing too. So God's going <laughs> to settle this right now. Listen to what he, he says. My wrath is aroused against you and your two friends. And he's going to tell them why. He says, for you have not spoken of me what is right as my servant Job has. Oh, wow. Wait, 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 wait. What was that? Oh, so uh, Job was right all along? Yeah. How many times did he try to plead with his friends and say to them in their falsely accusing him of having this unconfessed secret sin in his life, which was the reason for all of his suffering. How many times did he plead with them? He, he was begging them, please, you guys. I mean, be reasonable. Look at me. <laughs> Don't you think that if I had sin in my life, and that sin in my life was the cause of this suffering in my life, that I would have repented a long time ago? I wonder what Job was thinking when God just settled this with, Eliphaz. I don't think he was, you know, gloating, but I do believe that when God said, you have not spoken of me what is right as my servant Job has, that boils or no boils, that was music to Job's ears. Oh, Lord. Ah, he has just settled the score, and it gets better. Verse 8, now therefore, he says this to Eliphaz and his two friends, take for yourselves seven bulls and seven rams, 
go to my servant Job with all that egg on your face (laughs) and offer up for yourselves a burnt offering and my servant Job shall pray for you. I am? Oh yeah, I am. (laughs) Wait, isn't that what Jesus said? Pray for your enemies and those who despitefully use you and speak evil of you. So God's telling Eliphaz, my servant Job shall pray for you, for I will accept him, lest I, listen to this, deal with you according to your folly, because, and he says it again, you have not spoken of me what is right as my servant Job has. That's the second time. You get the impression that this is kind of serious in the sight of the Lord? You misrepresented me. My servant Job remained innocent. You are not innocent. You are guilty of misrepresenting me. You have not spoke right of me. I'm not mad. I just want to, you know. (laughs) So, verse 9, Eliphaz the Temanite, and Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Namathite, went and did as the Lord commanded them, For the Lord had accepted Job. And I want you to pay particular attention to verse 10. The Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. Okay, I have to be very candid with you. I would be dishonest at worst, disingenuous at best, if I didn't tell you that I'm really convicted by this. And I'll explain why. And because I'm convicted by this, I want you to be convicted as well. So here it goes. (laughs) When he prayed, then God restored. It wasn't until after he prayed for these so-called friends, a.k.a. frenemies. It's then that God restored Job. Can I flip that over to the other side? Because this is what makes what little hair I have left on the back of my neck stand on end. I I shudder in horror to think that if it's when I pray that God will just open up the heavens for me, does that mean, conversely, that if I don't, he won't? Now think about that. We were talking about this on Sunday in Ephesians 4, and we're going to sort of dovetail this Sunday, Lord willing, in Ephesians 5, because Paul kind of continues his exhortation concerning forgiveness and loving one another, forgiving one another as Christ has forgiven us. And what's interesting is, is that when we withhold forgiveness from others, or we withhold love for others when we ourselves have been on the receiving end of God's forgiveness for us and God's love for us. That's what Paul said, number one, gives the devil a foothold in our lives. And, and what does the devil want to do? He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And Not only does it give the devil a foothold in our lives, but it also grieves the Holy Spirit. I don't know which one is worse. Maybe grieving the Holy Spirit of God? You know that you can quench the Holy Spirit? 
I, I think of the illustration of the fire of the Holy Spirit in our lives, and we can quench that fire by pouring water on it. And we quench it. And, and unforgiveness can quench, not just grieve, the Holy Spirit. You got to know that Job had to forgive them. I think about what Paul said about how we're to forget those things which are behind. You know, some of us, maybe I, I speak for all of us here tonight, we've all been hurt by people. And some of us so unjustly, so cruelly, so just, I mean, bitterly, and if we don't forgive them, it doesn't matter if they apologize or not. You're not doing it for that reason. Well, I, I can't forgive them. They, they, need to, they need to ask for forgiveness before I'm going to forgive No, they don't. You can forgive them whether or not, irregardless of whether or not they ask for forgiveness or not. And you need to forgive them because if you don't forgive them, then here's what happens. This uh, seed of bitterness sort of germinates and sprouts in your heart and then it can start to grow and bear this bitter fruit in your life. And the writer of Hebrews again says that that bitterness will defile you. Now, I think you would agree that Job had every reason to be very bitter towards these guys. You know, we sometimes say, I'll forgive you, but I'll never forget. That, that means you're not going to forgive. You're always going to hold that resentment towards that person. Yeah, but what they did was wrong. I know. But it's not fair. I know. I don't know if I can forgive him. No, you can. You want to know how? Because God's forgiven you. Just as God has forgiven you of your trespasses, so too can you forgive those who have trespassed against you. That's the source of forgiveness. Because you have been on the receiving end of forgiveness, you can forgive. That's how. In, in fact, that's the only way how to forgive when it comes that way. And when you forgive, you free yourself and you untie the hands of God's blessing on your life that heretofore have been tied by the bitterness of your unforgiveness. Thanks for listening to In Spirit and Truth. We hope Pastor J.D. Farag's message from the book of Job has blessed you and given you hope in the midst of your own life struggles. If you'd like to hear additional teachings from Pastor J.D., simply visit our website at inspiritandtruthradio.com and click on Listen at the top of the page. There you'll find a link to subscribe to our podcast or you can download messages to share with your family and friends. Are you a part of a church family? The Bible urges us to find fellowship with other believers, not only for purposes of community, but also for the health of your own personal spiritual walk. You too can contribute valuable and unique gifts to the body of Christ, giving support in the ways God has designed you to. If you're in the Kaneohe area, we'd be thrilled to welcome you to our fellowship here at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. 
Our weekly services are on Sundays at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. and Thursdays at 7 p.m. We focus on studying God's Word and worshiping our Creator, all while getting to know each other better through Christ's love. Location information and directions can be found by going to InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and clicking on Calvary Chapel Kaneohe at the bottom of the page. We're excited to share this time with you in person, and we're so glad you spent time with us here today on In Spirit and Truth. May God bless you as you continue to study His Word and follow His path for your life. Pastor J.D. will have more to share from the book of Job when you tune in next time, right here on In Spirit and Truth. <laughs> 